Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL's podcast. I hope you're all well who's listening. My name's Stephen, the host of the NSL's podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by two show regulars, Anthony and Francis. How are you? Ah, as well as can be expected, mate. Uh, always good to be back on. Uh, this will be good therapy, I think, uh, after yesterday's disappointment. <laughs> Fair, I don't know about that. More like a ranting stage, but what about yourself, <laughs> Francis? How are you? I'm needing this because the house has been a wee bit frosty the last 24 hours. As you know, my, my partner is a Rangers fan, so it's it's not been a fun household for myself. <laughs> well, well, look, just putting this out there to people who are listening, this goes out on a Tuesday, but we record this on Monday, so it's the day after the loss in, in the Glasgow Derby game. Celtic lost 1-0 from a Hollander header, another set-piece goal that kind of killed us off. But that's the seventh Derby game in a row, Francis, where Celtic failed to win. Two wins in four league games. I think we're sitting fifth or sixth with six points. And I, I kind of had another one of my rages yesterday in the group chat, and I was just I was fuming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because obviously, the kind of the optimistic person in myself can see where the whole Postacoglu thing's going. You can see the football he wants to play. But in the majority of the bigger games this season, Celtic have kind of failed to deliver. And yesterday, Francis was another one of them games. And obviously, the the biggest chances was like to Edward. Kyogo towards the end. I mean, Edward's one that's guilt edge for me. He should be finishing that. I don't know how he managed to back heal it. And as I said, there, the set piece again kind of just killed us off. It's been a, our Achilles heel for years now, even going as far back as when Rogers first came in, even probably further back. We haven't really had a, a defender who can just stand up and be counted in terms of heading the ball away. But I'll come to yourself, Francis, first in terms of, of an overview of the game, how you're feeling now, obviously, before we dip into player performances and stuff. So, how did, how did it go for yourself? I mean, well, not great considering the results, Stephen, but I think like we kind of briefly spoke on before we, we came on here is the the first old firm game last season, like Anthony said, it was nine games into the, the campaign, so you're almost around the fixtures in, and we never actually laid a glove on them, and that was at, at Parkhead, whereas yesterday, it's just at the start of the season, we did put in a better performance, so you can see... You can see going forward that I'm more optimistic going forward and than what I was after the first uh, derby game last season where I just felt you, you kind of had a feeling that kind of game was going to happen, that we just we weren't going to turn up. But I was just, I was disappointed in the sort of team's performance, whether that was a tactical thing with the coaching. I don't feel we, pre- we, we pressed enough or high enough. We didn't seem to pass it as quick and kind of gamble, but guys like... We're not, like, we never got it wide enough. I, I think Kyogo was showing up a wee bit out where it showed how much we lost from him playing out there and not having an actual wide man because I think Balligan, by all accounts, had an absolute free hit yesterday. Just nobody really tested him. There was a couple of times Kyogo in the first half got at him, but apart from that, I don't remember him really being under, like, just constantly running at him. He just seemed to get a comfy afternoon for me. So uh, it, was, it was just one again, like, I feel we dominated possession in the first half without really, apart from Edward's chance, really creating it. I know you've said he should score. He should score it. I just feel he's he's just been really unlucky. He's just he's he has missed it. I think if roles are reversed, Kyogo, who's high in confidence, sticks that away. I just think Edward's maybe we know he's want away. I don't believe he's not. I, I believe he's still trying. I just we just know he wants away, and I don't think he's. And full forward, like got great confidence in now. So I think that's all that I can put that mess down to. It was just a guy lone confidence and who really has his heads probably elsewhere. So yeah, I think if he's the one crossing it in, Kyogo is probably sticking it away. But 
Uh, we just we never got going in the second half. Rangers by our count started started great and they 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 were passing it a lot better and they seemed a lot, a lot more energetic on the ball and stuff without actually creating any great clear cut chances. Like I don't remember Joe Hart actually making a desperate save or a la- or any last ditch tackles as such. But then obviously just concede from a corner it was it was a good cross and a good header. I don't, I don't think there was much we could do. Maybe if you're going man for man, but the fashionable thing is sort of a half man for man and half zone on. Just when you're giving folk zone, it just it gives you that chance for the, the attacking player to get get a leap on you. But it was just uh, it was it was just a good goal from a Rangers point of view. Um, but then obviously we we changed the system straight after that, so. You've kind of got to credit the manager for that. He seen he didn't hang about another five minutes to give the players a chance. He, he just they went straight away and put Kyle through the middle and he nearly scored. But the keeper uh, makes like reads the situation well and gets out there well. And then the game just sort of Rangers again just seem to be be on top again without creating much. I think they, they sort of said to us, "Come on, have a go." And we never really done that until maybe the 80th minute or something where we actually started pressing high. Started passing, then we obviously got the two chances from uh, Kyogo, where he's probably made the wrong choice on both occasions. But with a world defender on the first one, I want my striker. I'm, I have no issue with my striker hitting the first one. And nine times out of ten, when the keeper makes that save, it probably breaks the like where Ryan Christie stand doesn't. It doesn't go straight out in the middle of the goal where there's no attackers. And then I, I don't know if Christie's reaction is in been a factor in Kyogo's second one where he's just, he's cut it back or tried to play the square ball when he should shoot there, but yeah, it was obviously not a great, great result, Stephen going into the international break, because now after these games, when you when you tend to lose them, you just you just want another game of football to try and right the wrong, I feel like, and get back into winning ways, so like the manager said, we'll just need to deal with the international break, then get an get a run of games and a run of wins in the league and try and build a bit of momentum. But he'll obviously have a, a couple of weeks to sort of uh, deal with some of the players that won't be in international duty. So it'll be a chance to sort of uh, coach some of them and get them working. But yeah, I'm, I'm slightly more optimistic, but obviously it's not, it wasn't a great performance considering some of the games we've seen this season. I think that's a great point. And see, Christy, for me, he has a cheek to throw up, throw up his arms because if he's in that position, he's shooting too. But yeah. obviously, obviously, you can see where he's coming from. But that reaction was mad, and I think you're right in terms of the the whole thing and Kyogo's mindset for that second opportunity. He was thinking about cutting the back instead of shooting, and that mm-hmm. probably did affect him in terms of that. But come to yourself, Anthony, in terms of the goal, we can see that obviously, I said we're going to touch upon the lineups. I'm a will when we when we go further into the podcast, and but you look at the Celtic coaching staff at the minute, and you've got two centre backs on there, John Kennedy. And Steve McManus, and as uh, Francis rightly pointed out, this solo marking half and half, where you have like four guys on the edge of the six yard line, and you have your roamers picking up players and stuff. But Francis is right, big players like Hollander and Goldson, if they get the run on you and you're at a stand and start, you're going to be caught out. And that's basically how we conceded the goal. Uh, obviously, Starfelt got caught under the ball as well. I think Wells did, they got pulled towards the front post area. But do you think that's a concern that this still hasn't been addressed in terms of defending set pieces? Yeah, I mean, don't get don't get me wrong, Stephen. I think we we did defend better for large parts of the game yesterday. I mean, we were we had a lot of set pieces to defend, and on the whole, I actually felt 
Um, all four defenders did play very well yesterday, um, but like you say, it's it's so frustrating losing another. That I mean we we lost one 0 at Ibrox uh, just around the, the festive period last year. Um, with a similar type of performance, you know, we matched them toe for toe, and a set piece was like you, the, the term you used was was uh, perfect there, the Achilles heel again. It's something we we really need to iron out because these games can all come down to such a small thing, um, just a, a sort of basic uh, defence of the ball. Having said that, I do think we have to give uh, credit to both Barisic and Talander. I mean, it is a it's a tremendous ball into the box. It really is. It, it, the, it's one of the, it's going so fast and it's so accurate that the goalkeeper can't really come for it. The defender, like you say, he's already under uh, by that point. At first, I thought it was poor defending for Starfelt. Then I realised Starfelt wasn't actually defending um, uh, Hillander. It wasn't. It wasn't his man. He did, but he does obviously get caught underneath it. And it's just one of the. Sometimes you do have to say, even if you do all the basics right, you can still concede. Um, so yeah, it's it's frustrating losing another derby, um, especially in the, in the manner that we did. Because unlike some of the matches last season, um, I felt I, 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 maybe I'm, it's right to feel it or wrong to feel it. Only time will tell. But I do feel a sort of sense of calmness after it. I didn't have that same. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still self isolating, so I've been sort of sheltered <laughs> through all the the bragging and the the slagging and whatnot. If uh, all the banter that you only have to put up with in the pub uh, immediately after uh, a derby defeat. But uh, I just I. I didn't sense that same sort of sense of dejection amongst uh, our side that I've, we, we've seen far too much of, sadly, last season. Um, and by the same token, I didn't, I've not really seen an over, uh, over sort of indulgence of uh, the bragging rights from, from Rangers fans either. I think most of the, the sort of, you know, more educated um, elements of both sets of supporters realised that yesterday, no matter what, if it had been win, lose or draw, either way, it was, wasn't really deciding anything. I think um, what we've seen was two pretty even teams um, and a match that was separated by a fantastic uh, set piece. So maybe that's where I'm getting my calmness from. We, I, I did feel that we, you know, as Francis says, if Edward takes that chance, I mean, you, you cannot get more of an opportunity at the home of your biggest rivals, than six yards out against the the rookie goalkeeper, and and misjudge it, you just can't do that. And uh, as Ange Postecoglou says, you don't take your chances. You, you there is a good chance you're going to get punished, uh, which we were. So as I say, of course it's you know it's bitterly disappointing to lose to Rangers at, at any tournament or at any time. You know you're 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 pig sick for a good few hours, and you you know you get you know. It really ruins your weekend, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah. when when the dust settles, I do think you know there's a long, long way to go in this season. And as Francis says, once the international breaks over, with you can start building a a better run of form again. We'll have some new signings in, and uh, yeah, we just uh, we move on. Yeah, I mean. I do agree with what you're saying, but I want to come back at Anthony, and I'll come back to yourself, Francis, for the same point, just mm-hmm. to get different points of view. I seen on Twitter today, I think it was the Every Everything Celtic page put up that Celtic haven't won an away game in the SPFL since Valentine's Day, which is quite it is quite a, a daunting stat when you actually think about it in terms of our away form, Anthony. And we look 
uh, obviously at the start of this season, we've lost to Tynecastle and other rivals at Ibrox in terms of Rangers. Is it is it a bit of concern that this could be a mindset going forward? Obviously, the joke and the jest with Rangers fans saying they can't cope with the crowds and stuff, and last season was a godsend for them because there was no crowds in. But all joking aside here, it is a bit of a bad stat when you look into that, that we'll have them on a, an away-from-home game in terms of SPL domestic, the, the, the league, from Valentine's Day, isn't it? Uh, do, do you want... Me to go first there, Stephen, or yes, is that for yes, Francis? You, yeah, yeah, okay. You. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on. Um, it's it's a pretty frightening start to look at. Although, I, I, of course, I don't think we can. Obviously, Ange is not to. You know, he he can't be blamed for any of the results from the from the winter uh, through to springtime uh, from last season. Um, again, as well, you say, and you know, we've played four uh, this season, and we've lost two, and we've won two, um, and it's. 50-50 either way, whether it be at Celtic Park or, or away from home. I would say, though, that these are, I would probably say, perhaps along with Pataudry, we've been away now to three, uh, two of the three sort of most difficult, traditionally difficult venues uh, to go to. Um, and again, I just think, possibly similar to Micheland, that the Hearts game just came a little bit too quickly for us. I mean, don't get me wrong, if, if this uh, run was to continue um, after the international break, then it would be a real cause for concern. But at the moment, I'm still just putting it down to Hearts game was the opening game of the season when, you know, I, I don't have the teams in front of me, but, you know, it was a pretty different looking Celtic side and we had a goalkeeper who in between the sticks who was unreliable. And yesterday was just more a case of we lost the Derby away from home to, to a set play um, so yeah I'm not panicking too much on, on that front just now but if you were to come to me with that question if that record's still standing in October uh, then you might get a bit of a different answer <laughs> What about yourself Francis in terms of that? obviously Anthony's right when he says that Postacoglu can't be blamed for the, obviously the results last season but dripping into this season we've lost the first two away games Hearts and, and Rangers and you, I mean you can't We've seen it away from home in Europe. Sometimes the players fall into this mindset. It doesn't matter if it's a new crop of players and the the old kind of the old spine of the team, that kind of thing. Is it a concern for yourself that maybe I don't know away from home, but it's not quite clicking yet? But it's been evident that that that's been the case. Uh, I'm I'm much like Anthony, where I'm not overly concerned now, but like Anthony, maybe in a couple months' time, it might be a different answer. Like if it keeps on going. But I'm guessing, obviously, we springing this on us yesterday. I guess this uh, this record is just domestically. It's talking of then. Yeah, domestically, the SPL. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we obviously had. It's it's a wee bit. Uh, it's an easy one to say because it, it makes it seem longer in the sense because we've obviously had well a big chunk of that was uh, John John Kennedy who struggled to even win a game. Never mind a game away from home, <laughs> struggled to win a game. So. <laughs> That you've got to factor in. You've got to factor in a two month uh, the calendar year when never actually played football because the season was finished. So there's two months you can kind of take off that and say, well, it's not as long as it seems. But yeah, it's it doesn't make for good reading. But there's there is a lot of things you can pluck out wee random sort of facts for time to time and stuff that make a situation look worse than it actually is. So that for now, I'm just. I think I'm just going to try and be a wee bit positive on it and just say it's it's almost like a, a false, like a wee myth type of uh, stat. Cause, well, it can't be a myth if it's true. It's, 
Well, as true, but it's well, it's like a myth saying Robbie McCrory was a rookie keeper at 23 year old with 100 odd games. So that's uh, so it's just it's one of the like it's I don't know the right word, but it's it's a silly start in the sense that you're missing two months of a calendar, you weren't actually playing football and stuff. And how many away games actually is it? Because it could only be about five away games, which still isn't a great start. But, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit of a dodgy territory if we're accepting that kind of thing. That's what I mean. I'm not accepting I mean, it. It's just without knowing sort of how many games it was, who the games are against, and stuff. It's, it's hard well, to really get concerned. Going by last season, we were shite. It doesn't matter who it was. I know, but then you can't put that on the current team. No, but I'm saying because it, I'm saying because it's dripped into this season. Yeah, we've been away from home twice. That that's where I'm coming. But on. like as I said, we've been away from home. Eh? Hearts, who I know they were just they just came up, but Hearts is never predominantly never an easy ground to go to. And then Ibrox, it's again, it's Rangers by all accounts were steamrolled the league last season. So it's it's one of them. You're playing against two two decent teams. I feel like. I know, and I know, I know what you guys are saying, but I've, I mean, I just find it hard to make all these kind of excuses and say this is why this isn't happening. It's, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's try to be, it's try to sort of make sense of it. I feel like just give reasoning yeah, behind it. Yeah, hundred percent. But as I'm saying, like, I I can see where you're coming from, but again, every team has rebuilt this summer. I know, obviously, Hearts have come up. We should be going there and winning. I don't, oh, I don't care. Okay. Whatever. I don't care whatever time of the season that comes out. Celtic should have enough the big hearts of time. Castle newly promoted team. And maybe yeah. as 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 always, Derby games are 50-50 and kind of form goes out the window. And it brings me on to the next point in terms of the lineups. And we've seen the Celtic one come in. I'll come to yourself, Anthony, first for this. Juranovic's come in at left back. And I thought he actually did well. Ralston was playing. Welch, Starfelt, McGregor, Turnbull, Christie, Kyogo on the left, Edward and Adaba. At first look, when you've seen that coming through the Twitter feeds or Instagram, whatever you've seen it on, how were you feeling when you've seen that lineup? I'll be honest, uh, I, I thought it was uh, a gamble that did pay off, uh, to be fair. By put, you know, it's always a gamble throwing uh, a defender um, in for his first game in a derby. Um, but I have to say, I thought Juranovic, especially when he was not in his natural position, I thought he had a brilliant game. I thought he, mm-hmm. he, he looks a real class act. But also credit to Tony Ralston as well. I thought he had an excellent game as well. Uh-huh. And he wasn't sort of phased by the fact that his, you know, potential sort of, what's the term I'm looking for, his uh, replacement or upgrade, you know, we have purchased him as mm-hmm. a right back. Um, you know, he didn't seem phased by it either. I, I thought Ralston had a very good game as well. <clears throat> I'll be honest, with the injury to Taylor and the fact that James Forrest um, wasn't fit uh, even for the matchday squad, uh, I was expect- it was the team I was expecting, uh, to be honest, uh, Stephen. I did think, but just with the fact that we didn't have a, a natural left-sided play, there's an argument that you could put Christie in there, um, and obviously he did move him out there latterly in the game, but I, I don't think it was... There's a lot of talk online about it was a, a game for, for Rogic to start. I'm not so sure because I think it was, especially with it being at Ibrox, Rangers were always going to come out the, the traps very quickly. Um, and we've seen what happened on Thursday night uh, with uh, Alkmaar. Those games when the when the opposition is coming at you 100 miles an hour, it can be very quick. Uh, very quickly, a game can start to bypass Tom Rogic. Um, so I can understand why he started on the bench, but because of the injuries 
to Taylor and Forrest on opposite ends of the pitch, his options were therefore limited. So you can understand, as much as disappointing as it was, I, like most people, I wanted to see Kyogo start through the middle um, because I feel that that's where he's at. He's most dangerous. However, I can understand why looking at, and I actually think um, Ange Postecoglou pretty much said as much in the, the post-match interview that his decisions were his, you know, his lineup. If he had a full strength available, that, that wouldn't have been what he went with. But I, I felt, you know, for all the personnel decisions he's got to make and the tactical decisions he's got to make, you cannot account for your nine million pound striker miss hitting a ball for six yards out. And, you know, if, if Edwards scores that and we go 1-0 up, we take control of the game, we can move the, the tactics about in the second half. And and if, you know, if Kyogo takes that second uh, goal, then all we're talking about is how he, how the tactics were right. Um, so I, as much as I would have had Kyogo through the front, um, and I think the manager would have as well, I can understand that given, the, and even accounting for the fact that James McCarthy um, was injured as well and wasn't fit, it, it takes that kind of sting and, and battling out the, the middle of the park as well. So I can understand why he put Ryan Christie in there as a, a more senior player uh, and who is probably more able than Tom Rogic to last the 90 minutes. Um, I felt, if anything, potentially the changes uh, could have been made 10 minutes earlier because it, it it became very obvious quite quickly at the start of the second half that Rangers were moving up a gear and we were sort of, it was similar to Thursday night, we were struggling to get out our own sort of 18-yard line for a while and it became clear that Edward was not going to offer us anything better in the second half. So perhaps the changes that were eventually made and that made us look more effective could have been done sort of 10 minutes earlier. But I do think just given the circumstances of the personnel available, I can't understand why he went with the the formation that he did, and the and, and the and the positions as well. I have to say, when I seen the the lineup, Anthony, the first thing that struck me was the lack of depth on the bench. To be honest with you, yeah, and I think you're yeah. right. I think yeah. I think you're right when you say the lack of options the Postecoglou had, especially for the left hand side, was quite it was quite stark. To be honest, there there was no 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 direct replacement for Forrest, and even at that, he plays in the right wing. And obviously, if rumours are led to believe, we're signing that guy as Felipe Jada from Benfica on loan. Yeah, I think so. He, yeah. he plays yeah. left wing. Do you know what I mean? So hopefully that's that position sort of for a while. But my overall view of it, I'm, I'm much agreeing with yourself. I want the Kyogre for the middle. I would have stuck Christie on the left. I would have dropped Rodgers and played Sorrow in the hole and McGregor and yeah. Turnbull just in front. Mm-hmm. Just because, obviously, as you said, you're with McCarthy not there, you're losing that bit of if, if he plays, you're getting that bit of protection. I think Sorrow can still offer you that. Obviously, he's a bit rash in the tackle. And we, we can all look back in hindsight, Anthony, as you rightly said, and we can say these tactics would work in this, but it's just opinions at the end of the day. I think Absolutely, when you play yeah. Kuyo, I think when you play Kuyo going to the left, Francis, you said at the start of the show, you just lose him. You you you, you lose him. And obviously, before we go into any player performances and stuff, and there was some good and but more bad to be honest. But as Anthony said about the lineup, how did you feel about it when you seen it? Well, I was much like, like it was the bench that concerned me more because I think yeah. I think after Thursday, I think most would have predicted that team like Rogic dropping out and Christie maybe going in the middle. I had I had absolute zero issue with the starting lineup. I would have maybe I, I mean I said at the start of the game I would have played Montgomery before Juranovic, but then it was more just because the guy was going to be getting played out of position in his first derby game, his debut and everything. So I was I was wanting a more natural 
left-footed player out there and a guy that's like I, I felt it was almost a throwback to last season with square pegs and round holes. But by all accounts, Juranovic had a really good game. It it wasn't probably as good going forward as he would like to be, and what he probably will be when he gets a chance on the right hand side. But I can't really I can't say a bad thing about the guy. I thought I thought it was a good enough debut for him. But yeah, I just I, I had I, absolutely no issue with the team, and like you say, the benefit of hindsight. Uh, I would have liked Kyle go through the middle, but then, like Anthony touched on, there, if Edward scores his chance and Kyogo sticks away a chance, it's, the tactics look brilliant. It's but big moments in games can make tactics and team selection look bad or make it seem like it. So I just, I think Postecoglou's problem was it wasn't necessarily starting eleven. I think big moments in the game makes folks start questioning the team selection then. I do agree with Anthony that it probably delayed or got mm. waited too long for the substitutions because we could see that we needed Kyle go through the middle something just to give them something else to think about because Edward Borlakens wasn't really holding the ball and wasn't wasn't doing enough running wasn't occupying the centre halves enough we just we needed something somebody to do that and Kyle could have done that I mean if he wasn't really wanting to use a sort of his sub he could have maybe tried Edward that just swapped two about just to go give it five, ten minutes, see if that will maybe work. We could add someone different through the middle, but the same personnel was out of the team. So, no, I'd, I was fairly, I was happy enough with the team, Stephen, considering our options we had and after Thursday night. But I just think big moments in the game have made it seem, have made folk like ourselves question the tactics and question yeah. the team selection. I think it's a great shout when you say swap. Edward and Kugel, him go out left and Kugel through mm. the middle because mm. one of Edward's best goals for us was at Ibrox and he cut in from the left and yeah. he curled around the keeper when no one would were down to 10 men. Won yeah, that yeah, game. yeah, yeah. At the time. And he's yeah. played there for France on the raised levels as well. So I'm pretty sure he could do a shift. Maybe Posta Cogley was thinking in terms of tracking back. Obviously, Kugel probably yeah. gives you more in that department. Oh, no, I agree. But we'll, we'll look at some player performances and as Anthony touched upon, the back four played, played really well. To be fair, yeah. obviously, the set piece killed us, they killed the game, obviously they won it from a set piece, but I want to start with Carr Starfelt, and I've, I've been kind of critical of him, especially in the last podcast, but the game, the game there, the Glasgow Derby game on Sunday, for me, Anthony, I thought he played well, and the reason why I did think he played well is because Celtic, for large parts of the game, especially in the second half, were under the cosh, and that seemed to suit him, defending his box, defending his area, putting tackles in, putting his body on the line, and that's where I think he thrives off. Whereas you give, if you give him the ball for five minutes, it's a headless chicken. <laughs> you don't know where it's going to end up. But obviously, we'll touch on your Ranovich later on. But what, what did you think about Carl Starfelt? Yeah, pretty much just like yourself, <coughs> Stephen. Sorry, excuse me. Um, I do agree. I, I thought he had a good game. Uh, I, obviously, you know, we, we can all see that um, he's had a bit of a difficult start, um, so to speak. But I feel that he's he's grown. Uh, into the into the match, I felt he more than uh, put up with the, the you know sort of nullified the threat of the the sort of Rangers attacking. Uh, I don't think Kent really did much in the game at all, to be honest. Uh, Morelos had the sort of good chance very early on in the game, and it was just sort of dipped over the bar. But apart from that, I don't really recall them cutting us open uh. Uh, too often at all. Um, and I think Starfelt had uh, a, a big part to play in that. 
definitely his best performance uh, in a Celtic jersey. Um, like I said, when I first seen the, the goal, I did sort of light out a sigh. I thought, oh God, he's, he's, he's been really done there. But it's not until you actually watch the replays a few times, you see that Starfelt isn't actually meant to be marking uh, Hollander at, at all. I think it's, uh, I th- I'm just trying to remember, I think it was Goldson that he was um, sort of meant to be marked up, but it's just obviously Hollander's got in on top of him. And it, you know, it's very hard from a, if a, players are t- coming from a running uh, position to latch onto the ball. If you're already static, it's hard to get up and, you know, he, he did his best, but by that point, the damage had already been done. But no, I've, I felt definitely the back four, there was, again, maybe that, and that, that's not just Starfield, maybe all of them, there was a little bit too much of the, the short passes that were inviting the Rangers players to, to press uh, high, which we nearly got caught with once or twice, but overall, I'd I don't feel that anyone at the back, particularly Starfelt, had a bad game uh, at all. I felt they all did their jobs uh, admirably. I think uh, what, what what's evident, Francis, is about Starfelt, as as uh, Anthony said, there he snuffs out them opportunities, and relatively him and Wells kept the like Morales can't quiet. I know can't hit the post in the first half, wasn't it? But apart from yeah. that, there wasn't really much in terms of shots on target for both sides. I think Celtic had four and they had four, so it was pretty even in that department. But in terms of Starfelt. I mean, I lambasted him the last podcast. I basically said he he was terrible. But that was only me coming from in terms of what this game Postacoglu is trying to play in terms of passing out from the back. And as Anthony rightly said, but tried it again. And it got us in trouble a few times against Rangers like it did against Alkmaar. But given credit where it's due, he does defend that box well, doesn't he? I know. 100% agree with that. And I think I've said that on a previous podcast, I think. It, as a defender, is is pretty good at it. Is is that's a pretty decent defender? It's when you give him that time on the ball that like you say it's everything seems too eager. It's like a hot hot potato. Really, he's desperate to get rid of it. He seems to seems to absolutely rattle passes into folk like five ten yard passes. Absolutely rattling them, and it just everything just looks uncomfortable when he's got time on the ball. And to be fair when he's not got the time when he's having to do that extinctive thing it sometimes doesn't look the best but it's, it does a job generally but I think he's still he's still got a wee bit to go I think to convince because it, I, I felt it, it gives away silly fouls sometimes and I don't really think it's eagerness he's always he's trying to win the ball it just seems to be pure judgement he's always trying to get in in front of the boy when sometimes you just you've just got to stand off and stand your ground but no I had I can't really pick out moments where I thought like in previous games, he's obviously caused big moments. He's maybe caused a goal or really glaring, glaring errors. But uh, on Sunday, no, I don't. I don't think he had any real ones that are, are sticking out to me. That I went, I, I sort of had my head in my hands, and that Sally Fowles he was getting away for time to time, but nothing where it was where I had to hold my breath, if you like. But so hopefully he can take a bit of confidence for that performance going forward. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, he has a lot to do to convince a lot of Celtic fans. That includes myself. But I just wanted to give him a wee bit of credit because he did play well. And yeah. you have to obviously call him out when he plays well, call him out when he plays bad. So, I mean, keep a league one stuff. But yeah. there another player I want to touch upon. We did speak about it briefly. Anthony was Juranovic. He came in at left back. And to be honest, when I seen that, it was a bit like, woof, what's going on here? But he did play well. But obviously, when he got up to that final third, he was always cutting back on, the, on his right-hand side and he was getting snuffed out the majority of times. But defensively, he didn't really get beat. He, he made some smart passes in feed the likes of McGregor and things, but he looks 
he, for me anyway, he looks like he's going to be a fantastic player in terms of what we've seen and what he could potentially do on in the right back area. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I thought he was cool as a cucumber yesterday, considering the the sort of atmosphere he was uh, sort of being sort of baptized in, so to speak. Um, <laughs> no, when I fucking uh, baptized yeah. there, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I've got of, 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 of all the terms to use, eh, of all the terms, but having uh, it said now, John might edit it out. I'm only kidding. Uh, but no, um, yeah, it was a, a as good a performance at the back as, as I've seen uh, in a long time coming into one of these uh, big derby matches I didn't think he really put a foot wrong at the back Stephen I thought he was cool as a cucumber uh, some of the there was a few points in the game uh, especially first half when that you know the Rangers player would be right on him and it'd be a sort of sticky spot kept calm low pass to you know either Christie or sometimes further up uh, to Kyogo and you just thought god this time last year that would have been complete panic stations uh, like you say going forward it was a little bit frustrating because yeah you, you can tell he is very very right footed and it was hard for him to you sort of make any impact going forward but certainly defensively I thought he was absolutely brilliant and I would have no qualms about putting him in at left back in other matches as well um, and I think you know was it two million two and a half million we've uh, paid for him yeah. that looks like a, a seriously good bit of business Two and a half million in a five-year deal, which is fantastic. 26 years old as well. What about yourself, Francis? Did he impress you? I'm re- really, really impressed. I've got to get total carried away and think we've got an absolute super, uh, superstar. I think I was so impressed with the guy at left-back considering it wasn't his, his favourite position. After, uh, he has played there a lot, to be fair, in the past. But, yeah, I was super impressed with the guy. He was just, like Anthony said, so calm on the ball. It just... And that can obviously that uh, can go through the team and going forward and stuff. If your if your defenders are calm in sticky situations, it's it calms everybody else down there. They don't need to. They can maybe take up it certainly. They don't need to make everything necessarily easy for them. They can maybe make a nice a, a sort of a harder angle if you like for the pass. Knowing they'll probably make it. I think there was actually one time in the in the second half where it was. A sort of a clearance, I think, from Stephen Wilkes. It was kind of just looped up into the air, and he was about four yards away under a bit of pressure, and he just he, he pulled it down like Berbatov and just turned and yeah. was away. And it yeah. was, it was just everything. I, I, I the only thing I can really say bad about him was going forward, but he can't can't be too critical there because, like, say, they can't be saying when he got forward, it he wasn't keen on hitting it with his left left foot, so. He, he was always having to cut back, so he wasn't really getting the cross in as early as he probably liked, and which helped the team. But yeah, I think he can he can be happy with his performance on an individual level, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we've talked about the good, we have to talk about the bad and the ugly. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> it's part and parcel of it. And for the second game in the row, in my opinion, the midfield posted missing. Um, mm-hmm. Abada posted missing. He was non-existent. Obviously. I mean, he's 19 years old. He's going to be inconsistent, and I, you can't really put too much pressure on the fella. But for me, I think he touched the ball a few times, and most of the time he got it got took off him. Kyogo, as Anthony said at the start, Balligan or Francis Balligan mm-hmm. had him in his back pocket. And being being brutally honest about it, it's because he's getting played out of position, and he shouldn't have been. Edward, apart from the chance, he didn't do nothing for me. But I come to yourself, Francis, first. One of the worst performers on the pitch for me after all he's been great. 
he's been fantastic the last couple of weeks was David Turnbull. Mm-hmm. I just thought, in my opinion, he didn't take he didn't take the ball in, in pressure situations. He wasn't being his usual self. He was hiding for me. He wasn't taking on shots from the edge of the box. You've very rarely seen him trying to link play up as well. I was really disappointed in him. Do you know what I mean? After watching him get that hat trick, and yes, he kind of posted missing against Alkmaar, but you're expecting him to come back on the form. What was your opinion of his performance yesterday? Yeah, I th- I th- it was one of the games where you just you wanted David Tumble to show he, mm-hmm. show his worth, and I, th- I feel he failed to do that. But and you could see it in his face. It's it, the camera spanned to him. I don't know how long ago after it was he'd been substituting. You could see it in his face. I, I think he knew he sold it. The game, he let the game get back, uh, pass him by. If you like it, I mean, he had wee moments and stuff where he was getting on the ball, but it was almost, I think he was getting frustrated in his cell that he wasn't managing to have an impact in the game, and he then I felt like he was maybe forcing things and he was playing passes and trying things and normally wouldn't, he wouldn't do. It was almost like he was trying instead of maybe just going to the basics, playing a nice wee five yard pass inside or just to try and build a wee bit of confidence. It just felt like. It, the game had got that far it, uh, it just wasn't involved in anything good in the game and I just felt it got it got frustrated and actually then tried to force everything and make like get himself into the game without actually maybe just keeping it basic bold bold from there instead of just it seemed as I say everything was forced and trying the, the difficult thing all the time like she wasn't shooting maybe when he had chances to shoot so yeah I was I was Really disappointed with him, Abada and Eddie, but like I say, I'm, I don't want to be too critical on Abada because he was 19 year old and a lot of the time when he got the ball, he was on the half turn and I, I think they doubled up on him pretty well, Rangers. But yeah, Tumble, I just I think he'll be he'll be really one of the ones that are really disappointed with his performance because he knows he could have done better, he knows he could have had a big, big impact in that game, and it's it's not happened for him. Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously single anybody out. It's just obviously what we're seeing on the pitch. And Turnbull, as Francis rightly said there, he was forcing the issue too much. It was almost like he knew he was playing bad and he tried all these, do you know I mean, World, World Cup passes mm-hmm. and it wasn't working out. And, he, and his wee flicks and his wee skills weren't working out. And his confidence for me was totally shot, especially towards when he he, he got took off. And what, what was your opinion? Or, or was anybody else even that kind of overtook his performance for yourself in terms of the bad side of things? Uh, no, well, I, I totally agree with you regarding Turnbull. I think it was, you could you could see the frustration uh, building in him, even from the first half, uh, to be honest. And I think it's because we, we all know what he's capable of. You know, I, I was waxing lyrical about him uh, this time last mm-hmm. week uh, after his hat-trick, and we know how, how good he is. He maybe just needs to work a little bit, perhaps, not in a, a, a mental toughness because you know anyone that's came back from the, the type of injury he had well you, you know I don't think we can sort of accuse mm. him of, of not being uh, mentally strong for these games I just think he was perhaps a little bit out muscled off the ball um, at times and he didn't get to the, the Rangers players were able to put their authority on him rather than the other way about um, but I, you know he's got all the ability in the world um, but it just like you say it's just been one of those days where it's it's not went right for him um, but I will say, um, almost similar to, to Thursday night, there there have been players in the past at Celtic that have had a bad game and uh, and then were posted missing for the rest of the game. You could very easily point that finger at uh, Odds and Edward yesterday and for many games against Rangers last year. I mean, you could argue he's been a passenger 
in this fixture for a season and a half now. But mm. um, Turnbull, for all that it maybe wasn't going for him yesterday, was always looking to get on the ball, was always trying to create something. Uh, so you have to give him credit for that. Um, yeah. The other players we mentioned there, uh, Abada, yeah, you're, you're, you guys are absolutely spot on. I think he, he looked very much a 19-year-old winger uh, being thrown into his first derby. Uh, sometimes you get all the headlines for all the right reasons, but I, it was just one of those days. Nothing was going for him. He, he wasn't getting the break of the ball. His final ball, which we've lauded him for, I, I, I can't even really remember him making a cross or one or two. Mm. They were just too heavy. Um, that was perhaps one of Tony Ralston's biggest letdowns yesterday. He did get into a few really good positions for crossing the ball, and he, he, his final ball just was left wanting. So it's all those little things that you know can culminate in a derby defeat, um, which is really unfortunate. But I've absolutely no doubt uh, with Turnbull, uh, especially the, that they'll bounce back, and um, you know we just need to kind of take this one on the chin and uh, move on. I put it this way. This yesterday was our seventh uh, game where we've in a row, unfortunately, where we've failed to beat Rangers. But I would bet a hell of a lot of money on the fact that that won't will not extend to eight the next time we play them. Well, keep your money in your pocket for now, no we joke. Obviously before we move on here to the other subjects and things, I just want to touch upon the Hugo and Edward thing just briefly anyway. And I'll come to yourself, Francis, first and Postacoglu said after the match, obviously looking back, he should have started Kyogo for the middle. Now, I've seen people on Twitter, on social media saying this is the first time where Postacoglu has to take some of the heat for this. And I'm tending to agree because I don't understand why he thought Edward would make the impact because Anthony, I mean, he nailed it perfectly. They're saying he's been a passenger in these games for nearly a year and a half. He's He has no form. And Kyogre for the middle has destroyed teams, especially domestically and scoring in the European front as well. Do you think, looking back, that was one of the major issues with the lineup in terms of the impact that Celtic could have had going forward? Starting Edward, even keeping him on the bench and bringing him on, Jake, that would have been the better option in the second half like they did against Alkmaar? Yeah, I think with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, it is. But I think Thursday was one of the reasons he started Edward up front because. I know Kyogo scored the goal, but then we struggled to really hold the ball up, up the part. Like, we could never really get out in Thursday. So I think that was why I tried to put Edward up there as a focal point. Because by all accounts, when Edward came on, eh, on Thursday night, he actually held the ball up, got us up the park and stuff. So I think that was his thought process. And so I, I kind of understood, yeah, again, the benefit of hindsight, he, he maybe tactically did get it wrong, but like I touched on, it was... Edward sticks that chance away and Kyogo scores one of their chances. His tactics look brilliant. So it's big, 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 big moments can can make you question the tactics. But yeah, I think he's got to take some of it as well. Maybe more so for me that maybe making the changes sooner or try to change personnel roundabout even without making a substitution. Maybe move guys a couple of posi- uh, positions and stuff maybe sooner. So I would say maybe he could take you could maybe have a go on more for that than actual the team selection and mm. stuff. But I mean, fair play the guy. He actually, he just came out and admitted that he maybe got it wrong. Yeah. So he's 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 tending he's I know a lot of managers will do that in defeat to tend to take the pressure away from the players, but they sometimes don't necessarily call out tactical decisions or team selection. So for me, yeah, yeah, probably yeah, would have went 
Kyle go through the middle, but I understood after Thursday night why. I think Thursday night was a big factor, but Sunday showed me that I th- there's life after Edward. I think normal Celtic fans that are level-headed will look back on Edward and as a positive. He's been a great, a great signing for us. You can't question that, but I think once his heart's not been in it, it's, there's there's no need for him to be around the place anymore. I, 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 like it sounds daft saying, but I hope we get a deal over the line for him because I just think it's got to be better for everybody if we can get Edward uh, out of the club, if you like, without sounding like I'm trying to hound him out of the club. I just think yeah. if we can secure a transfer for him, what, what's left of the window, I think that'll be beneficial for all parties, really. Well, obviously, if rumours led to believe Crystal Palace are linked with him, yeah. it seems to, be a, seems to be a nearly done deal. I think it's the last couple of days of the window anyway, so that may cross the line soon. But Anthony, coming to yourself, did the Kyogo situation, does that show you going forward, even if Edward stays, that he's going to be a number one striker? Yeah, I think I think he will be. Uh, yeah, and like as Francis says, I'd be very, very surprised if, uh, I mean, this, this will be going out on Tuesday, this show. I'll be very surprised if by Tuesday night uh, that Odson Edwards still a Celtic player. This uh, oh, the, this rumour with Crystal Palace really seems to be accelerating now. So I would imagine that that he'll go. And also, like Francis, I think we have to pay tribute to him. Uh, you know, he's a, a a big game player, um, or 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 has been for the majority of his time at Celtic. Um, you know, he came in for a, a, a initially on loan from PSG, and you know he, he had you know the, the talismanic Musa Dembele and. Uh, a free score in Lee Griffiths to try and uh, sort of split up to get into that team. Uh, Scott Sinclair as well, and he did. And obviously, as we touched on earlier, but he'll be remembered in that loan season for that magnificent goal uh, to, to win the match at Ibrox. And then we paid out a record fee for him, and I think he's more than repaid that with his uh, his, perfor- his goals and performances in Europe and the big domestic games, cup finals, derbies for that you know initial uh, period. Uh, and you know, and big domestic fixtures. You think of Neil Lennon's return at Tynecastle when he scored uh, mm. late as well. Mm. Uh, but th- those uh, those are the moments I'll I'll remember him for. And you know, obviously scoring the goal that secured the the treble treble uh, that day. What a day that was as well. Um, and you know, and yet bizarrely, there was still you know people within the the fourth estate and their mainstream media around that time that were still trying to compare. Uh, Alfredo Morelos to him. Uh, Alfredo Morelos is not fit to wear Odson Edwards shin guards, let alone anything else. Um, <laughs> so, like I say, I think uh, as Francis says, uh, the time is the time's come for him to move on, and uh, I wish him well. But yeah, definitely going forward, uh, the man from Japan will be leading our attack. Of no doubt about that. And as you said, there are sometimes all the good things come to an end, isn't it? And everyone does. Absolutely. Podcast, obviously. Obviously, wishes Edward all the best. If he leaves, and I have to say if because nothing. <laughs> if, if he leaves, he, he leaves with all their best wishes and all their memories. Anthony said there bring back some of the happiest moments I've had supporting Celtic. So kudos to the man. But we'll move on to the next topic, and that's obviously we've qualified for Europa League group stage. It will be us, Bar Leverkusen, Real Real, Be- Real Betis, and the Furnace Faros, old foes. Yes. Yes. But coming to your, your yourself, Francis here. For me, that's a tasty group. Bayer Leverkusen, the return of Frimpong, he'll be playing Celtic again. And knowing our luck, he'll probably destroy us. <laughs> and then you've got Real, Real Betis as well. They play the in, in the hoops, but horizontally. They're a Spanish club with a lot of history. And again, as I pointed out, the old fools of Furnace Faros. How are you feeling about this group? 
Well, I said to like the apprentice when the group was came out, it, it could have been, it, it's a good group, it could have been a better group, but it could have been a lot worse the group. I think it's mm-hmm. one of the more favourable groups we've had in recent years. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm happy and I'm happy with the teams and stuff we've we've got. It's, it's like you say, Ferret and Varos. It's a chance to maybe right or wrong if you like. So we've got a good chance to maybe show them what we're all about. Batiste, I'm, incidentally, I'm actually wearing a real Batiste top to now as we do this. <laughs> I actually, oh, yeah, actually? Bought, yeah. <laughs> I actually have it. Uh, but it's I I think that'll be a good a good tie because when we actually went over to Seville where Batiste actually played their their home games, we we all got on well with the Real Batiste fans there. I think a lot of that was just down to the green and white and stuff. So we kind of got a good rapport. I, I cert- well, I certainly remember what was one of my overriding memories of Seville. It was just all all the Real Batiste fans, like the young young kids and that were asking for your chairs and scarf just simply because it was green and white. So I, I think that'll be good to go back over there and just see for the fans what managed to get over for that. Hope, well, hopefully all barring restrictions maybe changing adversely to stop that but I think that, that'll be a nice a nice glamorous fixture if you like in that sense and then Leverkusen it's, it's a German team they'll probably be well organised and mm. probably a good steady team but I, again it's a pra- like Ferran Varro that's, that's Hungary isn't it with their face yeah. Hungary their face yeah. I mean I don't know much about it but I mean Seville's a really really nice city a really really nice city and then not that I've been in Germany before, but I've I've heard that Germany away days are always good, so it's it's good away days for the fans to be fair. And that was the take on the group from our Spanish football correspondent Francis. <laughs> <laughs> but see to be see to be fair, I mean the games I'm looking forward to most, they may surprise you. You touched upon it, Francis. There, the real baddest games. There's just something about it that's drawn me to them fixtures home and away. That I'm looking forward to seeing us play them. But in terms of the group, Anthony. Bayer Leverkusen, solid German team. And they just sold Kai Havertz for like 90 million euros to the Chelsea. I know that was last season, but it's still quite recent. They've got Frimpong in their ranks. We all know him well, the Celtic fans. Fernas Faros, are they going, going to come back to haunt us again? Who knows? Mm-hmm. What, what's your take on the group? Is it a group that excites you? Uh, it does, yeah. I must admit, I was delighted when we drew uh, VL Betis, um, obviously with a historical connection uh, with the club. Um I've got a Spanish friend at work who's a big uh, Real Betis fan and uh, obviously his his Scottish team he would always say is Celtic because of the, the connection. Um, when we, before we turned to change to the hoops in 1903, uh, there was a, we obviously used to play in the green and white vertical stripes which Betis play in and it's, I think there is some sort of connection with there was a, a Spanish fisherman who had got stranded in Glasgow uh, due to bad weather and he went along to watch Celtic play at the time when they were wearing the the vertical green and white stripes. And uh, on his return to uh, the south of Spain, he, he was instrumental in the formation of the club. So there is that historical connection there. Um, and we've obviously, for uh, the minute that Betis, uh, when, when the group was made, Real Betis were the first to tweet that how delighted they were that this match was finally happening. Um, so yeah, I think it will be absolutely fantastic. And as Francis says, obviously th- those uh, good relations will have been renewed. Um, you know, a little while ago now, but, but of course, uh, we've obviously we all have the good memories of uh, our magnificent uh, fans' performance in Seville when uh, we won the UEFA award. It's how 
exactly how uh, people should support their football club uh, away mm. from home. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, like you say, the Germans, Bayer Leverkusen, they are uh, they're, they're not you know Bayern Munich or Dortmund, but they are a you know a, a various well-established German outfit. They'll be a, a right tough test. I'm not unless Jeremy Frimpong's learned how to cross a ball in the last six <laughs> months. I'm not too bothered about them, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, you know, I, all the talent and pace in the world, but you know, his head just seemed to be not fully focused on his football, shall we say? And that tweet that he sent out when he left, just I, I've I've never seen a more arrogant um, lack of humility self-absorbed tweet in my life when he said that he wanted to stay but his demands haven't been met and you know you first find yourself sitting there thinking listen son when, when you're finished puberty and you can learn to find a man with your final ball then you can start making demands to Celtic <laughs> Football Club uh, until then you can just get on with your job um, so yeah I'm not I, I obviously won't boo him or anything like that but I'm certainly not I'm, I'm not excited to see him either uh, Ferns Faros is very much the, the winnable the most winnable fixtures, uh, I think. Um, yeah, we lost uh, the match last year at home, the one-off uh, qualifier, but we're a different animal this season. And I've, I've, especially at home, I've got no doubt that we'll pick up the, the three points against them. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's, it's there's a bit of a fresh group. Um, when you've seen some of the other uh, names in the group, you think you, know, you don't want to draw them again. You don't want to get the same teams over and over again. I remember... Um, when we were in the Champions League, we uh, for always a, got Barcelona. That period of time, we always seemed to get either Barcelona, AC Milan, Shakhtar mm-hmm. Donetsk. It was yeah. it got a bit repetitive. So, um, and like you say, the the German days out. Uh, like I say, I've not been on one myself, Francis. But you always uh, the reports you get back from the the fans is always that Germany's the place to be. And of course, we'll have a fantastic uh, welcome in Seville uh, as well for the uh, for the Betis match. Likewise. Both those sets of supporters will obviously be welcome at our home as well. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting started. I think it'll be a, a cracking group. And I'm just also very glad that we avoided uh, an English team because I, I, I can't, I, although our record's very good against the supposed superior opposition of down south, I just can't be bothered with all this, uh, the Battle of Britain circus <laughs> that um, comes along with yeah. it. So I was glad to avoid uh, a couple of the big hitters in Port A, the real big hitters, and I was glad to avoid an English team, so very pleased. As well, see, see that real better stadium? It's an absolute cracker. The pictures of it yeah, look it's amazing. Fantastic. It's, it's unbelievable, but obviously before the group happens, the end of the transfer window's coming, there'll be coming and goings, and it looks like at the moment, Anthony, that Christie is linked with Bournemouth. They seem to be the front runners. I mean, Bournemouth are still in the championship, aren't they? I haven't really been keeping yeah. up. I think they yeah. are. So, yeah. I mean, is he going to get his Premier League move? Who knows? And then Edward has been linked with a move to Crystal Palace. Selling have been linked with Felipe Jada from Benfica. By the way, I know YouTube again, clips and stuff, but this kid looks scary uh, good. I watched, I watched him taste. Yeah, he looks frightening. And then Georgios uh, Giamakis, the top goal scorer in the Dutch league. And then a young Irish striker called Johnny Kenny. Kenny. Johnny Kenny. Kenny. A lot of people were frightened that it was John Joe Kenny again, but <laughs> coming to, to, to yourself, Anthony, in terms of, we were speaking about this before we come on air, in terms of the outgoings and incomings, what are you expecting? Do you think the J-Macus deal looks done? The Jada deal looks done? The Kenny won't commit an award today, but are you expecting maybe one or two more if Edward and Christie leave? Uh, possibly, yes, uh, especially as well if uh, if rumours are to be believed that Lee Griffiths will be going to Dundee as yes, well. I think yes, we could maybe do with another uh, 
perhaps another option up front as well. Um, whether or not another centre half, uh, there, again the rumours fly about about you know loan deals or and this that and the other. Whether or not we get all of that done in the one window uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely expect uh, the Greek striker and uh, Jota from Benfica to be done uh, minimum. Uh, as for, like you say, it's looking very much like Odson Edward will be at Selhurst Park, which I think is given the, the, his contract and perhaps his uh, loss of, you know, that sort of really prolific forum that he had uh, pre-lockdown. Crystal Palace is perhaps as high as he was going to get in the English Premier League. Um you know, Celtic have put an offer down on Ryan Christie's desk for long and weary now, and it's not been signed. And, you know, if he feels that the English First Division is a better option than potentially getting the league title back at Celtic and playing in the Champions League next year, then that's there's really no much more that can be said about that, really. Um, <laughs> you, you know, that's, you know, all the best, Ryan. But um, I hope he packs a parachute because it can be a hell of a drop from Celtic Park. Mm, I like that one. That's a really good one, by the way. But come, come, come with you yourself, Francis. Obviously, it's kind of baffling me here that the Georgios uh, Jim is deal. I think I'm saying that right, by the way. It's it seems it, it seems too it seems too good to be true. Now this guy finished top goal scoring the Dutch league, but there's no other clubs after him apart from uh-huh. us. Is there is there like a catch going on here? Or are we getting? I, I I just don't know what we're getting. Obviously unknown. But the likes of Yada, I mean. I watched the YouTube of him, and I, I know YouTube's one of them ones. I can make clips about myself playing five yeah. side and look good, but this this guy looks lightning fast. He looks like he can he can dribble and take players on in tight tight areas. He's a bit like Paddy Roberts, but with pace. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't want to get people too excited with the whole Paddy Roberts train. But what's your opinion? Obviously, Anthony's right there in terms of the defender situation. I still believe we need a defender, but will we get this done in the next two days? Do you think? I think well, what's left of the window, obviously, we're we're Monday now as we record. I think it's going to be hard to get deals done. It might have to be loan deals. I think they might be easier to get concluded with the time left to, obviously, with medicals and stuff and the whole negotiating and stuff. So, I think if any apart from uh, the Greek boy and Yota come in, I think I know Yota's. Um, a loan deal but it's with the option to buy I just hope that option to buy we've got a set fee because I think it's 6 a, million Yeah, well hopefully it's set it's a, in, agreed if we impresses and we're happy to go forward it is 6 million because the last thing we need is the guy obviously we want him to be a success but for them to then put a 12 million or 10 million fee on his head so I hope we've kind of agreed the price and like you say it does it does look a real player it does look a real player and, it's obviously solving an issue. It's giving us more natural width on the left, so it's it's addressing that situation. But also, we've not really got anybody to deputise for him if if and when he can't play. But it's I'll I'll take it the now that you're also getting a, a more natural left sided player, and then obviously the Greek boy. It's yeah, I'm I'm on the fence with him. Again, the YouTube clips. He, he looks his goals last season. He scored all types of goals, and I think he obviously gives us that focal point up front. He he looks like he can win a header, which we've not had for absolutely well. Dembele was probably the last one that would really attack it. I know it's it's not really Kyogo's game. We will jump for him, but it's he's rarely going to win headers against most centre halves. So I, I'm more on the fence with him simply because, like you say, it's 
he scored 26 goals last season in the Dutch league and nobody's touched him. Nobody's <laughs> wanting to touch him. But then you could put that down to the fact that he scored half his career goals in one season. Ah, well, yeah, true. It's, is, there, is this has been a one-season wonder? But I think he'll get more chances at Celtic, so we'll, we'll find out if it's a one-season wonder because I think we'll obviously create a lot of chances for him. So you'll find out if he's a one-season wonder. Yeah, I've heard about that, the Johnny Kenny boy. I was, I was hoping with your Irish connections you would know more about him, but I just know he's an 18-year-old striker. That's all I know about him. I think it's it's Sligo. It's, it's Sligo. I plays for Sligo, Sligo Rovers, yeah. Uh, and I've heard there's weird rumours going about Twitter that uh, John's favourite one rumours on Twitter and things like that that Ali, Ali McCann for St Johnston's maybe got to come in. So would, I, that would be a nice mm. we want to come in if he comes in. Yeah, like say Christy, if you like, I know he's he's had that offer there, but if you've got to swap Celtic for Bournemouth, then no bother. That's all I say. That like Bournemouth can't even fill a ten thousand seat stadium. <laughs> it's it's got to be an absolute culture shock. It's that's just oh. madness and like I say Edward he's brung us all these great memories but I just it just feels it feels right that he needs to go and yeah the Crystal Palace one it's just unfortunate we never really got this bidding or it doesn't seem like we've got this wee bidding war that seemed to be breaking out but you just don't know how much truth was in the the Ruben Kazan Everton and uh, Marseille ones Crystal Palace seem the only one really coming forward now and I kind of get that it could maybe work from playing under uh, Patrick Vera. It's a guy who maybe not necessarily know well, but that because he's French and he was a big player for France. Patrick Vera might be able to get a tune out with Edward. It will be someday respects and stuff. So yeah, just if we can get some deals done like a centre half, it'd be great. But I think if out with Yacht and uh, Gia Marcus, I'd, I'd I'd be surprised if we got any more in just simply cause of time. Yeah. Do you know who just popped into my head, lads? Remember Magic Saraski and his gold boots? Oh, what a player. What yeah. a player. I'd take him back in a heartbeat. <laughs> no, well, but, let's I just mean, go for Larson when we're at it then. I, Larson too. I bring, Sutton, bring them all back, sir. Uh, bring them all back. retirement. Get a band know, back together. The, the one thing that does concern me, obviously, is just the, it's the lack of height in the team now and the lack yeah. of physicality. And Obviously, I don't want to be talking forever about it, but I mean, it is a concern, and hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll see maybe a centre-back coming in with a wee bit of know-how, a wee bit more experience, just to sort of shore up the defence. And obviously, we've got the right-back. I don't think we'll be getting a left-back in. Yada, Felipe Yada, really excites me from what I've seen on, on YouTube. Gio Macus, it could be the next big thing in Scotland. <laughs> Who know. knows? Or he, know. he could be a, an, an Amido Baldi and on loan to some Tunisian club in a couple of <laughs> years. But it's, it's one thing we'll have to find out. But... Guys, in terms of the podcast, that's us all finished. Have you enjoyed this one? Yeah, as much as uh, as much as can do, Stephen. It's never great coming <laughs> on after a derby defeat, but I think uh, I think we gave that we dissected the match pretty well. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to the end of the window. Obviously, best wishes to the national team uh, for the next uh, week and a half. We've got some big games coming up. Hopefully, we can put some points on the board. That's going to be difficult, but uh, yeah, and we'll resume pretty soon talking about Celtic we'll have some new signings in and we go again what about yourself Francis yeah just same as Anthony it's, it's always it's never the best coming on after a derby defeat but yeah I think I think because of the way we performed and stuff and what we've seen leading up to the game it's, it's slightly more optimistic and we've been able to handle that a wee bit better and got things to look forward to obviously the new signings what, what look like they'll be 
they're all but done deal and yeah, just good luck to Scotland in the next qualifiers because I don't I don't want it being another twenty odd years before we qualify <laughs> for another a European event. I I love the Euros, man. Yeah. The, the girl even let me just go to the pub every night. It was brilliant. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, as you as you as you guys said, there's not nice coming on after a derby defeat, but I think we had a wee laugh there towards then, and uh-huh. it was good. Obviously, getting into everything and talking about new signings and optimism going forward. And Anthony, quite right, bringing up the international football. Good luck to Scotland on uh, Thursday show when we record it. It goes out Friday. We're going to have a wee chat about Scotland's upcoming fixtures. So. That's something to look forward to. And again, to people who are listening, I promise, I promise we are going to go video soon. Okay. And it's it seems like we're literally paying the subscription fee for the video thing. We haven't even used it yet. So we need to get use out of it. And again, on the social media side of things, it's going to be used mainly going forward just to promote podcasts and obviously say when we're going live and things, the doing the news every other day is a bit time consuming and stuff because we all have jobs to go to and things. But we will be going live, we'll be going video, and that's something to look forward to, guys. And to everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.